welcome to Chai Chai with Moms. First of all, Sarah, our co-host from London, is unable to join us today. But we do miss you, Sarah. You're missing a really amazing episode. <laughs> but I hope you can join us for the next one. And today we have a really special guest of honor on our Chai Chai with Moms. We decided to invite a dad and a husband and a really super smart guy. So, Asmira, would you like to go ahead and introduce him? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Parisa. Hi everyone. Today we have Prem Sagar. He is a chief data scientist at Crypto and a professor of AI, artificial intelligence at the University of Maryland in College Park. He's also a proud father of twins and triplets, born on the same day, just a different year, and he pretty much knows everything. So, <laughs> We're really, really, uh, you know, honored, Prime Sagar, for you to join us and give us some of your time. You so, forgot one really important information. I don't know if you mentioned it earlier, but he is also my co-host, Asmira's husband. That's right. <laughs> She's married to the guy. So my listeners, be extra nice to this episode. <laughs> Listen in, give us some likes and follows. Yeah. Uh, and yes, I do agree. I've known Prime. Since our college days, and, yes. and as Asmira mentioned, he, you know he can talk about a lot of amazing topics. So today's topic that we have decided to have him on for is financial wellness, which is really important. And he's going to particularly address our audience and discuss financial wellness for women. So Prime is extremely knowledgeable in financials, investing, and all things money-related. So we wanted him to be part of this episode, especially for women, our Chai Time audience, in particular women, so that women can be financially smart and have a better retirement plan. Since I'm married to the financial planner here, Parisa, why don't you start with some of the questions that you have? <laughs> sure. Um, so Prem, I think first thing that I'm really curious to know about is what financial advice do you have overall for retirement for women in particular? What should we keep in mind? Yeah. So, so thanks, Parisa and Asmita, first for having me. I'm uh, very, very uh, fortunate to be uh, on your podcast, and uh, also congratulations on all the success. I've, uh, you know, heard the statistics are fantastic, and the word is getting out about how lovely a podcast you all have. Um, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. You. Great job. So, it's a very interesting subject and question, Parisa, and it does differ for women versus men. So, I did some fact finding and some research on the overall health of uh, wealth for women versus men, and it's interesting what the statistics tell us. So, I'll sort of paint the picture of where everybody is right now, and then that can take us into specific ideas and strategies for women to improve financial wellness. Okay. So the first thing is, you know, there there have been major strides in equality for women. You know, women are coming more into the science and technology fields. There are uh, more women leaders, but there still remains uh, a wide disparity versus men right? in the income range. In income ranges and in leadership. So, for example, uh, women are still not represented equally amongst the rich. So in 2020, uh, only 13% of all USA billionaires were women. So amongst the, the elite. So what does that mean? So there were 16 6 614 billionaires in the United States in 2020. And of those 614, only 83 were women. So, you know, 13%, right? And oh, wow. 
Yeah, so it's very, it's still very skewed. I mean, it's a 50-50 split in population, yet only 13% of women are billionaires. Now, what's more interesting is that when you look at how women and men are distributed at the poverty line, uh, what we have now is that 13% of all women are below the poverty line in the United States. Okay, so 13 out of 13 out of 100 women in the United States, probably someone you know, is below the poverty line. Wow. And that uh, is versus 10% of all men. So there's 3% more women. You can argue that it's almost 30% more uh, likely that women will be below the poverty line than men. Okay. As you dig a little deeper uh, and we talk about um, the nationalities of those women, it hits women of color much harder. So white women are 9.7% uh, of all white women are below the poverty line. Asian women, it is 10.7%. Latino women is 18.7%. Black women is 21.4%. And Native American women is 22.8%. So 22.8% of all Native American women are below the poverty line. Wow. So, so yeah, so it, it, there there are uh, big differences in gender and there are big differences in uh, race when it comes to wealth, particularly for women. So, you know, what can you do, right? There's many things that, that you can think about to improve the situation. Certainly the government uh, should try to do something to even this out and uh, equal employment initiatives should come about. But you yourself, as a, a woman who's trying to succeed and improve uh, financial wellness and uh, independence can do a couple of things so and it's funny I was just in lecture yesterday talking about this and um, you know there's three or four big things that you can do at any given time the best investment is probably education and I say that from a fiscal point of view and also an individual point of view so if you have the ability to go back to school because you're unhappy with how much money you make or you're unhappy with the job field you're in in the United States it's much easier to go back to school than it is in just about any other country. Um, so education, and it can, it doesn't mean you have to go back for a degree, you can go back for a course. So there's there's always a way to try to improve your education, getting smarter, reading. They, it just sorry to interrupt. Are there any programs out there for women that want to pursue education but can't afford it? I'm just curious to know what's... Yeah, so yeah. absolutely, Parisa. So the financial aid kicks in there. In mm -hmm. fact, there. you know, I was thinking about this earlier because if you're young, let's say you're coming right out of high school, then it is normal for you to take a loan and financial aid will take you through. So you'll have student loans when you come out, but they're set so that you can pay them back over time and still save money with the salary you're taking in from your job. Now, that's the easy route. Now, what happens if you are, let's say, a single mother with a child and you want to go back to school? So now things become more complicated. But what happens is, I was just looking at this, universities will offer credits for childcare and scholarships based on uh, the fact that you have a child and you have to, you know, you're trying to go back to school. So there are programs that are making that more and more uh, affordable. And you know, what I tell, uh, what I tell my students is, is, is if you're unhappy, and I have students of all ages, preset, right? I have them in, you know, right out of, uh, you know, their bachelor's degree, I teach at the grad level. So I have them right out of the undergrad and I have them, you know, into retirement. I have a 66 year old guy in my class uh, and I have some, you know, middle agers, you know, 30, 40s in my class who are looking to make career moves. And what I tell them all is if you're unhappy, learn something new. That's part of, you know, you, there's no reason why you should be, feel like you're in a job that is not helping you financially or is not making you feel good. You should, it's not worth it. Your health will be sacrificed. The health of your family will be sacrificed. So go back to school. It's, it's just, I mean, a real Fantastic advice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I really, 
really, I really think so. so. But you know, uh, aside from going to universities and stuff, the internet has made it possible for people to study online for free. I agree. With like, that. there's yep. so much content on YouTube. There's uh, Udemy.com. All those courses are set up. You know, technical courses are set up. Financial courses are set up for you to learn. Okay. You, sh- you just have to have that motivation and drive to get online and learn it. And I think, I think if mm-hmm. you know, in fairness, if you have that and you have the time to be able to pull that off, then absolutely that's the best way. But if you don't and you have life circumstances around you that make it difficult to commit to that, then, you know, I think formal education is fantastic. So yeah. it's it's either way, right? So you have to you have to find a way to get more knowledge about the subject that you're trying to learn about. The next thing is you have to try to find an investment that you think will make money over time. Oh. So very few of us get financially stable or rich or, you know, in a position to retire early um, or improve our lifestyle just from the job, Mm. right? It usually comes from uh, assets. So for example, you know, the the vast majority of Silicon Valley billionaires have all been paid through stock. So, you know, and there's various asset classes, stocks, um, real estate, uh, bonds. There are various things that you can invest in. And to give you an idea about that, and you know that this is a problem because there's not financial literacy about these things. So Parisa, if you bought Google 17 years ago when it IPO'd, and let's say, and listen, Google, they were monsters. Mm-hmm. When they came out, I mean, they, they were killing everybody. Yeah. So if you sunk 100,000 into Google 17 years ago, Parisa, 17 years ago was not that long ago. Not I mean, it's gone quickly. Today, you would have almost 6 million. Too late to that investment. <laughs> But, but no, no, but the point is, it's never too late because you know, you now have the ability to tell your children. <laughs> so now they can benefit from that time value of money. So, um, and you know, even if you had sunk it into, now listen, Google is exceptional. They're growing at a 27% annual growth rate. But even if you had stuck it into the S&P 500, uh, which has not been that fantastic, you would still have $146,000. It's only increased by 2%. But the point is, it's still made you money mm-hmm. for you basically doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So you you must learn, what is it? There's a saying, it's, it's not how much you make, but how much you spend. Yeah. yeah. Right? So um, I got that from Outcast. right? <laughs> so uh, big up Outcast. okay? So um, it's, you know, you have to be very smart about how you manage the money and put things away. And then the last thing is, this is, this is one of the more controversial uh, statements I have for you is you have to be very smart about marriage. Mm-hmm. Very, very smart about marriage. Marry a rich person and all your retirement is set. Basically, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the best well, advice right? <laughs> I'd, uh, maybe not for the men in the audience, <laughs> but I think uh, certainly see, that may work for the women. This is the best advice you're giving to women out there. For, for your <laughs> best, the best financial wellness and retirement is marry rich. <laughs> no, no, no. So for the men in the audience, that's not what I meant at all. Uh, <laughs> what, what I meant by that is you have to... It's, it's very funny, but it's you have to find someone that you can weather the storm with because what you'll find looking at statistics and we have all kinds of data for this Parisa is um, divorce derails financial well uh, isn't divorce costly so your whatever money you save is gonna go to your lawyers basically well everything at a minimum gets divided by two right and then there is the overall impact of uh, like health it has on you so, you know, I can tell you firsthand, I mean, the data is already there, Parisa, but I can tell you firsthand that I know, you know, three or four brilliant, brilliant engineers 
who were completely derailed by divorces. Now, sometimes it's unavoidable. Yeah. These things happen, okay? But I say this to you, and, and just as you should plan financially and you should plan about your education and people plan for family, you have to plan for marriage. You have to think about, you know, is this person going to be there for me when, you know, the rug is pulled out from underneath me? Are they going to be there for me with, you know, thicker or thin? And yep. that is that is a, a huge piece of advice. And one last thing, please, if you look at wealth data, the probability of you pulling off um, what I think is a, is a, you know, a very strong number of being able to retire, which is six million at an early age, the chances of you pulling that off without being married, which means either you're single or divorced are, are about 10 percent, Teresa. Wow. So dual income families that are steady have much, much better chances of reaching financial independence at younger ages than divorced families. It is financially very, very bad. <laughs> no, that's a really good advice. I mean, yeah. 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 So yeah, you know, and, and you know, listen, I, that movie Crazy Rich Asians. There's something yes. about that. Yes. There's something about that movie, okay? Because yeah, you know, wish I was one. I, I, you know, Beer will get mad at me, okay? But like, what, what I'm saying is, you, you know, when you're young, you don't know, but you, 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 you date, and and you have parents who are engineers who will set up little tests to see if you know you guys can weather adversity. So you know, listen, in <laughs> IT, how do we know that the system can all this planning? This is true. I'm so what I'm saying is, you don't know what's going to happen until you run simulations and tests. So when you're dating, for for all the women out there, and all, even all the men out there, when you're dating, you know, look for when the adversity hits, right? And if the adversity hits and things fall apart, then, you know, you know that the chances are that if you're married and adversity hits, it'll fall apart as well. And then the finance, listen, one thing is the impact on the family, but the financial impact is basically devastating. It is, yeah. So do each other a favor and find somebody else, you know? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Great advice. Yeah. You were also mentioning something, some stats about how many years one has to work in order to retire. I would love to hear more about that. And I think you and I had even discussed it in one of our calls earlier, but I would love our audience to hear that as well. Yeah. So it, it depends on how you invest and, and really what your, your spending is. So it, and it, and you know, so like there's, there's going to be some edge cases where the numbers don't work for everybody, but I'll give you some examples. There are three rough figures that you can consider for points in your life where you could say, hey, you know, I've had enough. I want to just live off my savings. And uh, and in, in this calculation, we can't forget about Social Security because by the time you're 62, you'll receive somewhere between, you know, 1500, you know, around $1,000 to $1,500 a month if you take Social Security earlier. And if you wait till you're 67, it's somewhere between $1,500 and around $3,000 a month. So you still have that coming as well. Parisa. Now, if you make it to the three numbers that I have are 2 million, 6 million, and 10 million, okay? If you make it to 2 million, right? And when I say 2 million, I'm saying 2 million in a, uh, let's say, private stock account or some type of asset that you could sell before you had to officially retire. 2 million, let's say you pull Okay, so, so 2 million is going to generate a certain amount of interest depending on where you have it. So let's say you have it in the S&P 500, okay? And the S&P 500 over time does 8% a year, okay, in, in uh, annual returns. So that means your 2 million every year is going to turn about 
160,000 in profit. Okay, so that's great. However, you need to spend some of that to live. So let's say, you know, there's two options, right? You could take all 160,000 out, right? You'll be taxed on it, but that will be enough for most people to be able to live. Now, the problem with doing that is the investment will always be 2 million because you didn't touch the principal, but inflation will run away, Parisa. So, you know, 30 years ago, 100,000 may have been enough to retire, but it is no longer enough to retire because everything costs so much more due to inflation. Good point. Yeah, so so there's that, right? So, but still, if you were to if you were to accumulate, you know, two million, you would still be able to pull 160,000 until inflation basically ran away. And you know, it's if if you assume inflation rises at maybe three to four percent, that's still a significant amount of time, Parisa, that you'd be able to live off the 150,000. So, so what do I tell people? I say, look, if you are uh, in a position where you can live off 160,000, and most of your debt is paid off right or e even if you're able even if you have debt but the 160,000 covers it and you have access to this money see if in, a, in a regular account like a 401k account preset you can't touch this money without like 25 percent of it being taken away straight yeah. now the advantage of a private account right a, a non-401k account is that you only pull what you need Right? You can use it like a bank account. So there may be years that you don't need to pull 160,000. Maybe you only needed 20,000 so or 30,000. So you're taxed at much lower levels if that happens. So long story short, I think it can be done the moment you hit 2 million in a in a non-401k account. So now, okay. yeah. now, if you reach 6 million, this is the part where it basically becomes inflation safe. So at 6 million, if you're taking home, let's say, uh, again, you're in the S&P 500, so that's 8 percent annually you're now talking about 400 uh, 480,000 whopping dollars a year now even if you assume that real inflation is five percent the u.s government or you know the the, the federal reserve will tell you it's like one to two percent but it's not okay because they don't factor in the cost of energy or food which is like what we need <laughs> okay yes. good luck without energy <laughs> and food okay so uh so i think it's more like five percent so what that means is you're really only earning three percent on that money preset now three percent on six million is one hundred eighty thousand. um so so basically we at least need a minimum of six Six million to retire at any age is that and actually you can retire at two million Parisa, but there's some inflation risk but at six million yeah, yeah. Wait, so six million in my account means i can leave my job i can go to i don't know europe for a year kids yes. colleges are paid off i can party live my life yeah <laughs> six yeah six million means you're gonna have one hundred eighty thousand dollars to do whatever you want with for the rest of your life Parisa. because wow. even if inflation rises the other five percent of your investment is running with it and and right, I think when Abul's done with his work, I'm gonna be like, that's it. We've got to, you know, start working on that six million. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you how to get there. I'll tell you how to get there. So I think, but uh, but again, Parisa, you could, if you factor this in, it's it's really quite funny. If you have access to the money now, I really think you can do it at two million. Yeah. No, but with two million, it kind of feels like you know, I mean, kids, you have kids through college, you want to travel, you know, a nice house, quality of life. I don't know. You really think two million? I I do. So two million on eight percent is one hundred and sixty k, Parisa. So let's do the math. Let's say you spend, I don't know, your mortgage is maybe. 3,000, maybe you have miscellaneous expenses that take you up 
10,000. So, I mean, you'd have, I mean, some people spend more than that, but let's say you spend about $10,000 a month to get by. So that's now 120K. So that's still 40K left over, Parisa. I think this is really amazing. And I hope our listeners out there are really, you know, learning this because I think there's some really important information that we generally, you know, are not aware about and we don't think about it because, you know, it's people think that they have to work till, you know, they're like, what, 65 to retire? Yeah. Yeah, so you will pay taxes on that money, so you're going to lose, you know, whatever it is, 20% of it. So of the 180,000, let, let's take all that out. So you have 180,000, 10 uh, 10% is 18, so 36,000, so it's going to come down to roughly 150. So 150,000 and you spent 120, so you're still left with about what? 20-30k? Yeah. Yeah, so you're still saving preset and then the idea is certainly when it comes to college, you know, our our thing is we're going to try to help the kids get through school. You know, look some families have to take student loans the kids will eventually pay it off but i think you know once you reach once you reach two million i do think it is within range preset if you think about it depends on how many kids you have what you factor is going to be the cost per year for per child but you have to also think preset they're only in school for so many years yeah, yeah. So let's say they go to school for six years because if they want to go for the PhD, they'll get sponsored. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even at what is tuition like 50,000 a year now? I right. think so. Yeah. Let's say 50,000 a year, 50,000 a year times six is 300,000, mm-hmm. 300,000, but you're saving 30,000 a year. Present. So in 10 years time, you'll have the 300,000 that would be required to put them through. Awesome. Right? Cool. So it's, it's actually a lot more about being able to manage the money well, you know, and it, that, that that I think is one of the, and this is why there needs to be a lot of training in financial literacy because yes, there can be people who make lots of money, but they don't manage it well. So if you manage it well, I do think you can do it. Prisa, our parents, the generations before us retired with nothing. That's true. Yeah. They retired with nothing. And, um, you know, for us, we have, you know, better lifestyles. So it's more expensive, but I absolutely think so. So let me give you the short on it. Two million, I think you're you're right about there. You can do it. At six million, it's easy, Parisa. And if you cross 10 million, okay. The golden. I, I refer to those people as teen millionaires, okay? <laughs> and, and I think at, at, you know, when you're plus 10 million, uh, you need like a bodyguard. <laughs> right? like, like, I consider you to be like a so, <laughs> yeah. so Prime, I think women would really benefit from you if you can give them some advice on how to invest smartly in the stock market. Yeah. Like, I feel like that might be an important topic or a question that comes to mind because I don't feel like many women are into investing in the stock market. So I have I have two thoughts on this very quickly, right? And so so thanks for the question. And l- let me answer the, the specifically. To do well in the stock market, it's tough because you know anything can happen, right? Nobody expected COVID. Nobody expected. Yeah. I, I mean, I expected the housing bust, but nobody really saw the dot com bust coming, followed by September 11th attacks, right? So that was devastating. So you know you you have to be prepared for these uh, black swan events. But what does seem to work is perseverance. You have to be able to stick with it when things are going down and you feel that urge to sell, that's probably the time you should be buying. And when when things are going up and you're like, oh, I need to buy, that's probably the time you need to sell. Because what happens is hedge funds, the investment banks, the very sophisticated traders, they have mathematical models, machinery, research scientists, they know this thing back and forth. And they don't function on emotion. They're looking at, you know, cold, hard analytics and facts and data to make these decisions. But, you know, retail investors are functioning large on emotion you don't have the mathematical models and sophistication they have so most of the time the retail investor will probably get it wrong so what does that mean you have to resist this urge to buy and sell at the wrong 
points. And and how do you do that? It's, how do yeah, you do that? Yeah, I was like, it's easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, so how do you do that? How do you do that? Okay, so the first thing is you can't gamble a game you can't play. So if you only have, let's say, $10,000 to your name, and that's your entire savings, you cannot put $10,000 into the stock market because what happens if you get fired or you get tired of your job, right? Yeah, actually, sorry to interrupt you because this can be a really good idea. Like for our listeners out there, what percentage of their savings do you recommend for women out there to start investing in? Like what approximate? Is there a figure? 2% of your savings, 10% of your savings? I think What's it's... Yeah, yeah. I I don't look at it as a percentage of your savings. I I look at it as the time to recover. So let's say that things go south and you need to look for a new job, right? You got fired for whatever reason. Economy cracks. Happens every 10 years about. So now you have to say, well, how long is it going to take me to find something, to find a job that can support us or that I can contribute towards the family, let's say. So that number is probably somewhere between six months to a year. Find a good job. So now you can calculate, well, what are my expenses for six months to a year? Let's say it's a year. So if it costs you $100,000 to stay even without going into debt, then you need to have that much without you going bankrupt, let's say, right? So if, it, if you have $100,000 in your bank account, and that is the amount you need to uh, support yourself for a year, that is the amount of money that you need to maintain. So you have to calculate, what does it cost me to support myself or the family for a month? And then multiply that by 12 and that is the amount of money that you need to have in savings okay. uh, at any given point that's what you need to have so if it's a hundred thousand dollars you need to have a hundred thousand dollars in savings anything beyond that it depends on your lifestyle now you know, I, some people need like to travel, so you have to budget for that. And you, you know, you have to enjoy the ride. So, you know, all that gets put aside and everything outside of the savings. And that's just what that is. Savings is for the rainy day. And then your travel money and your, you know, uh, your expense money for fun, you put that aside. And then anything beyond that needs to go into an investment. Okay. Yeah, I, I call of it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right? no, that's good to know. Yeah. yeah, it should not just be sitting there. So I have a last question for you. Do you recommend investing in the stock market or the retirement fund? Like your 401k through your employers and such? Yeah. Or, or a mix of all of the above. Oh, true. I think, so this is a good question too. Okay, so, and this is something I wanted to say uh, to your audience. You, you have to, you have to sort of assess your aptitudes for these things and your talents. You always, you know, focus on your strengths. And we all have certain gifts and, and things we like. There's two things, like you, you have to be researched and well-read in these things. You have to put the time in, like with anything. There's no way to get something without putting in the energy. I haven't figured that out yet. There's definitely more efficient ways to get things out, but there's no way to get something without doing something. Yeah. So so my my advice is figure out what it is that really interests you. Like some people are very into art or some people are very much into artificial intelligence. Some people are very much into music. So that gives you an edge. That gives you an, an advantage in this game. And then you can think about, okay, well, you know, are there investments I can make towards that? Maybe starting a business, maybe investing in a company that I'm constantly buying products from. Like people are buying these Apple earbuds or whatever it is all the time. So perhaps you would want to invest in Apple. And then, you know, you would say, all right, well, okay, I like their product. 
products. Um, let me learn more about the company. Let me see what their, you know, their growth rate looks like. What do I think is going to happen over the next couple of years? And and that way, it's still interesting. It's not like you're just doing research for research. And chances are that lines you up with something. So for example, I'm a big fan of Tesla. He shares a lot of information on how he does things, right? And so I, I am constantly reading about Tesla and what they're up to and where they're going to go. So, you know, use your, use that voice within you, use those talents that have been given to you and use that to help you get an advantage and learn more about what you can invest in. Now, once you've done that, then then it comes down to this question that Asmita had is, you know, do you want to go into a retirement account or do you want to go into a regular account? Now, my opinion on this is it, it, it depends on what you really believe in as far as the company, right? So we're talking about stocks right now. If you are compelled that Tesla is going to outperform just about everybody else, which is where I am with, on things right now, right? I believe that they're juggernauts. Then I would much rather put my money directly into Tesla as opposed to a uh, mutual 401k. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, some 401ks allow you to invest individually. And if your 401k allows you to invest in individual stocks uh, and you have conviction in one of, you know, some of these stocks, then my advice is you go ahead and use the 401k matching to invest in those stocks. Actually, this is very timely advice because I've just started a new job and I received an email this morning that 401k begins today. So I was like, you know, this weekend I need to kind of log in and figure out if they do have good matching. 5% I think they said. I have to double check. Yeah. So that's, that's why I was like, I have to, you know, kind of discuss that and figure out if I should. So that's really good timely advice. For you. Yeah. So, and Parisa, if they allow you to invest in individual stocks, that's great. You can take the matching and invest whatever you can because there's tax advantage to that and over time that will probably do very well assuming you've done the research. I, like I said, I'm a big fan of Tesla's. The only thing that I would invest in besides Tesla at this point is probably SpaceX, which is not out yet. Now, if you're in a situation where you do not have access to individual stocks, but you have conviction in some companies like Apple, Google, mm. right? These mm. are still great companies. Mm. My advice to you then is to actually not invest in the 401k. Okay. Depends on where you are. It depends on how much cash you have aside as well. But I think in general, you can do much better investing in the companies you've researched that are juggernauts like this, right? Yeah. Like Apple is making, I think they just did like 97% uh, you know, revenue improvement over a year. It was incredible, even at their size. So it might've been 70% revenue improvement, but that's still unbelievable. So consequently, their profits are going to go up and the stock is going to be worth more. So I am for, if you have conviction and you think the investment is going to do much better, than the S&P 500, which you have to, you know, say it's going to be around 8%, then I would invest individually. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you had to th think about it, Parisa, and that's the example I gave earlier, if you had bought the S&P 500, let's say they matched you, Parisa, today, you go in and you put $100,000 into the S&P 500, you would have only made $46,000 on that money hmm. over uh, 17 years. Now, even if they matched you, it would be $105,000. The first 5% is what they matched. So it's still a marginal gain. Now, but had you been able to buy Google for $100,000, you'd have $6 million right now. Yep, I would be retired. You would be retired. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, and, and you'd be in 
inflation proof reset the principal yep. would never run out the money would increase with inflation and you could spend uh we said three percent so you could spend 180,000 frivolously i mean you, you take taxes out or whatever it is you you'd be able to spend you know sort of carefree parisa so so it depends on what it is right now last thing i'll say that the last case is you don't really have conviction in any particular company if you don't have conviction in any particular company and you don't have another asset class that you'd like to go after then certainly you should take the 401k option okay. because that way that gives you a, an eight percent gain and here's the thing to the audience out there you have to invest because your money is going to devalue over time it's not like in the you know prior generations where you could just put it under you know or put it in a bank account and let it sit there so that, that it's safe put it on your mattress that money <laughs> devalues because inflation is rampant and so a hundred thousand dollars does not cut it anymore you have to have an investment that is running with inflation or it will devalue and you will not be able to step away uh, earlier or even you know securely when you are at 62 or 67. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You have such amazing wealth of information that I feel like we need to bring you back on. I'd love so to many because there's so many amazing topics. We could have like one episode just on stock investment, one topic on just overall, you know, top 10, I don't know, stocks to follow, retirement. There's so much we could talk about that it's like I have so many questions but this will then turn out to be a 2 hour podcast. <laughs> and, and and Asmira has to edit it so she, yeah, yeah. Really happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me leave you with one more thing. That, you know, as as you think about what is going to happen in the future, you have to think about where to invest. And the thing is, we are on the cusp of like an AI revolution. So there have been several reports, most notably by uh, McKinsey. They came out and said that by 2030, 30% of all jobs will be automated by AI. Yeah, we need to have you on to discuss AI. I mean, that's yeah. what I. I mean, I can give you all kinds of stuff for that. Yeah, I mean, but but I say this to you because if you're going to you know invest in something, you should be thinking along the terms of AI because it is going to change everything. And the thought is, by 2050, no one's going to work anymore. And by 2040, they might solve aging. So we are in a different world. So so now the trick, the real trick, and the last thing I want to say to the audience, the real trick is find a way to be healthy and happy to make it to 2040 or 2050 so that you you know don't have to work anymore and that's like the epoch that's like the new world will be born where the robots will help us hopefully there's enough money there's enough food we hopefully solve uh you know disease and aging and yeah. i'm a, a believer that it can happen if you stress yourself out and work too hard and die early and miss the epoch what's the point oh, no nope, we're just gonna bring you back and give us that advice and what to invest in and be rich before 2040 so we can live forever yeah. the, 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 <laughs> joke is, the joke is we'll all get rich with the right advice but then it won't matter because the robots will be here to do everything for us yeah yeah, yeah. True. or we'll wow. be dead or sandy will be dead <laughs> well So quickly, one last question, because then my girls are gonna come home from school too. Is that you know you mentioned AI? So let's say I'm somebody who wants to start investing today. I feel fine. You know what? I have I don't know maybe let's start with ten uh, thousand to begin. Sure. With. And I like I don't know much about AI, but I want to invest in stocks that will probably help my I don't know kids or me in another ten years or twenty years, as you mentioned. What are like I don't know three to five companies that you think are really good on a personal note that you really like? Okay, so the first thing I would do is read as much about AI as possible. Mm-hmm. There are excellent mm-hmm. guides uh, about mm-hmm. it. There's like I always look at like the dummies books, the cartoon. Okay. Like, there's a cartoon version of AI, so I would look at these things and and you know and you might spend about a week doing some research. 
you'd be very surprised about how much you learn about it. You can also ping resident experts. I'm always here for you guys. Okay. Now, that being said, if I were to invest in any companies right now related to AI, there's Tesla. They have a robot that they're working on. There's going to be a humanoid robot that Tesla is going to give to okay, people. Okay, good. So check. My husband's covered that one. <laughs> Next. Marisa, you need to know something about this, okay? So, so when it comes to Tesla, let me let me tell you this. Because I was thinking about retirement. There's a, a statistic that by age 70, 50% of women are widows. Okay, so that robot will be there to assist a lot of these widows. Ooh. Something to think about for your audience, right? You know, it's you lose the spouse. It's nice to have someone around the house to help, right? And that that tech is coming. Okay, there's a market. Okay, you know? my audience may hate me for this, but wait a minute. God forbid you lose a spouse, but if he has a six million <laughs> as a retirement, and then you have a robot to help you around with house chores and all that, you're stuff. golden. You know, you're just golden. <laughs> you're golden. I, I don't really know. Funny. All I have to say is you're better. Really be funny. We have, you know, there's, there's some, there's some issues with the retirement age. So it's very quick. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what, what, what last advice? Better be taking those vitamins. Yeah, take those vitamins. Okay, so, so okay, I'll finish on the companies. Tesla for the humanoids. Uh, Google has, you know, DeepMind. Um, so they're they're automating everything via something called reinforcement learning. So they've got a lot going on over there. Uh, and then you know, and then there's Facebook, but I, I have mixed feelings about what they're doing with privacy right now. So yeah. So if it were me, I would be looking at Tesla, Google, and then IBM is also there, right? They've done a lot of great work with Watson. In, in particular, well, so in particular, Watson's ability to reason about language. Mm-hmm. Watson is able to debate you now, which is something that no other computer has been able to do. It has like very, very strong understanding of of uh, logic and, and language. China, by the way, is going to pass us in AI. By 2030, so oh, Alibaba oh. has a big presence in AI. Uh, another company called JD.com. He's the only CEO in the world who said everybody does wants to talk about how uh, AI will create jobs. No, it won't. I want AI to automate everything and get rid of all my employees. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! In the organization, so he's, he's honest. Okay, he's honest. So there are these Chinese companies also that are very uh, pioneering, and China spends more on AI now than we do. Yeah, I agree with the guy because that'll eliminate that toxic workplace environment. Oh, it'll be great. Yes. So these are the companies, but for U.S. companies, Tesla and Google, and I'm very, very preferential to to Tesla right now. I think they've got the talent, and, and Elon is just blasting through bureaucracy. Brisa, I have a question for your audience. Yes. Okay. So women in the United States, on average, live to be 81. Okay. Yeah, 81. And men, on average, live. Is it 81? Yeah. Because I think, uh, yeah, and I think men live to be around 76. So 76 in the United States for men. So women live five years longer. Great. Okay. Great. Okay. Now, my question is: the retirement age for both sexes, male and female, is 67. Okay. Now, hold on. Let's be this one. So, my question is: if men live five years less than women, on average, on, well, that's what the average is. Okay. The average is the indicator for the population. Whatever. That's why we compute it. Okay. All right. So, uh, so on average, okay. Yeah. Some, some, some of you might live 85 and get out. There's someone alive who's never going to die. Okay, so uh, all right, so you have 81 versus 76. The retirement age is 
67. Full benefits, okay? Should the retirement age for men move up because we die earlier? Hell no. Okay, sweetheart. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you were so scientific about it. We <laughs> <laughs> don't even yeah. No, but you have to think. Look, 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 look. Yes, this is my stand, okay? I'm very eager to hear this. First of all, we're fighting for equality here, okay? If we just push you guys five years earlier in retirement, we we just keep getting screwed over and over again. Guess what? We have gone through life more things than you guys have to put up with. Let me give you an example, oh, okay? okay. Women have to go through, and maybe at starting age of 14, we, we go through our monthly cycles. Well, until we're like 50, okay? Then we have to go through childbirth. Yep. Okay, weight gain, postpartum depression, all kinds of stuff, okay? Then we have to go through menopause. What do you men have to go through? What? And then we have to suffer five more years of working on top of going through all that so you guys can have five years of freedom? No! I'm just asking the question mathematically. I'm not sure. signing with either of the sexes, but listen. Imagine <laughs> that the difference in age was 20 years. Okay? Let's just imagine. We'll take a hypothetical answer. Okay. So now women live to be 81, and men live to be only 61. Well, okay? we'll just no, have to enjoy those 20 years without you guys. <laughs> similar to us <laughs> but what's really funny is i'm in a math you know i'm basically in a math class and so like one percent of the population is women but the one percent of the women overwhelmingly won this argument in the class so the men are like what and the women are like you guys are gonna die <laughs> Well, I mean, we need to have an episode on this frame of what you think, you know, as a husband, father, working, you know, in America about, you know, women at workplace and the whole deal with hybrid, flexible working, childcare, pay equity, you know, there's so many issues. So we need to have another episode to have you in to talk about this, seriously. I'd love to do that. Would love to hear your point of view on that. Yeah, yeah. And and so so for the women in the audience, if you guys are trying to get smarter on something, know that there are ways to do it. You know, it starts with reading, it starts with time management, and there are programs there to help you, right? So you can do it. You can do it. You'd be surprised. The, usually the biggest obstacle between you and success is yourself. You can get there. There's no doubt that there are oppressing factors. There's no doubt that there's inequality, but you can get there. Yeah, I if you make that. something priority, you, it will get done. Just, you know, whatever you decide to do, just make that a priority yeah. and you'll see how much you can and, get done. And we said, you know, I actually heard Tony Robbins say this. I think he's a great speaker. So life is about probabilities. And you may try something and you may put everything you have into it and you might still not make it. But what we know for sure is that if you don't try, there's a 100% chance you won't make it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. the best part is that I think your entire, this entire episode was so positive. Hope it motivates our 
sisters out there to kind of you know work on their financial wellness and this is in line with our theme new year new you so i hope that our listeners definitely learn something from this amazing insightful podcast episode yeah don't don't trade on margin either if you buy some stuff don't go Well, don't <laughs> okay, I know you guys are motivated and you want to make moves, okay? But be cautious and and you can do it. Thanks, well, thanks so much Prime for joining us and taking the time to, thanks you know, speak with our audience. Thank you so much Prime. And Sarah, we missed you and uh, great talking to you again, Prisa. Same here. Right. Yeah. Sarah, you missed a really amazing episode. I hope you can be here for the next one. So that that's okay. Well, uh, she'll listen to the edited version and get you know smarter. <laughs> But anyway, thanks so much, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.